Hey there, I'm Brittany, and welcome to the Cape Cod Church Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Cape Cod Church, you can visit our website at capecodchurch.com. In the meantime, we hope you enjoy this message in our Christmas series, Wrapped, The Art of Giving. I love Christmas at Cape Cod Church, and what a privilege to be here this morning to share one more message with you in our Christmas series, Wrapped. We've been talking about the art of gift giving, and today we are continuing that with the third stage of gift giving, the act of generosity, the acquisition of a costly, precious gift. And so this morning, I want to know from you, because it is December 19th, Christmas is in six days, I don't know if you knew that, I want to know how many of you are finished with your Christmas shopping. Oh my gosh. Okay, lower your, keep your hand raised if you've been finished since Black Friday. I cannot relate. For those of you who are watching online, it is a freakishly large number of people who are done. And I bet you are all finished with your Christmas wrapping as well. Am I right? I think some of you are. I cannot relate. For those of you who are not in that camp, I'm not going to make you raise your hands because the rising panic in the room is already punishment enough. It's December 19th and Christmas is in six days. And we're going to make it through it together. There are two kinds of people in the room. There are those of you who budgeted your time and your money starting last December who are coasting to Christmas. And there are those of us who did not budget anything, and we are going to be very tired and very broke on December 26th. (laughs) Because Christmas is costly. Christmas is costly. And beyond all the kind of madness of the Christmas season, and maybe we take that a step too far, I think that a true gift is costly. And I don't mean price tags exactly, because cost can come in many different forms. It can be an investment of time or energy or creativity. A cost is relative to each person. If you only have $50 in your bank account and you spend 20 on your loved one, that's a significant cost to you. And it costs you your security as well. Cost can come in many different forms, but that's the nature of a true gift. It comes at a price, at a sacrifice from the gift giver on behalf of the recipient. And I think that the gift of Christmas is just like this as well. In fact, there is a famous story in the Christmas story, a piece of the tale that talks about expensive Christmas gifts. And that's where I want to turn today. Many of you may be familiar with the story of the Magi the wise men who visit Jesus. It goes something like this. Sometime after the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem, after his family has moved into a more stable house than a stable, he's visited by some men from foreign lands. And these men, who we call wise men or magi, would have been well-off and well-educated men from east of Palestine. And they notice some astronomical occurrence, something in the sky that makes them believe that a king has been born to the Jewish people. And so they go in search of this king, and they travel to the capital city of Jerusalem, starting to ask around about this thing that has happened, if anybody knows where the newborn king is living. And they arrive to King Herod, who is the current 
king of Israel under Roman rule, and unsurprisingly, King Herod is not very happy to hear this news that there is a competing king of such cosmic proportions. But King Herod, being clever, plays along and pretends to be excited about this news, and he tells the wise men, the magi, to go find the child and then come back to him and tell him where he's living so that he can go and worship him too. But secretly, we know, he's plotting to kill this child. So the magi leave, and they arrive in the nearby town of Bethlehem, where they find the baby Jesus with his parents, Mary and Joseph. And that is where we pick up the story in Matthew 2, verse 11. It says, They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The Magi are, of course, famous for these expensive, costly gifts. But if we keep reading, we find another costly gift as well. Verse 12 says, When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. So you see that Herod's plan has already started to be foiled. And then after the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. So they flee the country to a foreign land in escape of this murderous king. And then in verse 16, we see just how imminent the threat was. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. So he sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. So the plot is foiled. The family escapes the murderous King Herod, and eventually, when King Herod dies, the family returns to the region of Galilee where Jesus grows up. And if you're familiar with the Christmas story, you've probably heard this before, but there's something odd about this story. There's something odd about this story that I think sometimes we miss. It wasn't unusual for people in this time period, in popular religious sects of the day, to believe that gods visited earth in human form. That was quite common. In fact, in the popular mythologies of Greek and Rome, uh, this is a common occurrence, that gods would come in human form to visit humans. But what is odd and was unique is that a god might come to become human. And even more than that, that a god might come and be born as a baby. And we can see why this would be so. The story that plays out is so human. The child is literally fleeing for its life. It's at constant danger from the start. The family is running from a murderous king with no resources, going to a foreign land, hoping to protect this child's life. And it's an amazing story because at every turn he's escaping death, but it's a very human story. This is not the kind of tale we expect to hear about a divine being. Gods are not supposed to fear for their lives. 
Gods are not even supposed to be capable of death. So why does this story about a God become human take this shape? I think that's exactly the point about the Christmas story. Decades later, when the gospel author Matthew would record this, when he would talk with family members to hear about the birth of Jesus and his upbringing, perhaps even talking with his mother Mary, when he would hear these stories, this is the tale that he would get. That a weak child had been protected and escaped death at every turn, but was vulnerable. In fact, we see that the Christmas story is laced with weakness. It starts with the trauma and the danger of human birth. A child born into uncertain and unsettling circumstances, in unstable housing with no resources and no family support beyond his mother and father. A family running from a king with all of the resources, just escaping imminent death to a foreign land, now immigrants. This is a story of weakness and fragility. And perhaps the Christmas story takes the shape exactly because of that. The Christmas story is costly. The birth of Jesus comes at a heavy cost, and the cost is his own vulnerability. So we see a story that is highlighting the weakness of human experience. In Jesus, we see that God took on our weakness. He gave up his strength for us. If you know the story of Jesus, you know that later in his life, Jesus would give up his life for us, would die for us. But Jesus is born as a human so that he could die for us. Gods can't die. A God if a true creator God existed, cannot die, it's against his nature. But a God that had taken on human weakness, who had been born as a human, could die. And eventually Jesus would die on a cross, but he could die because he was born as a baby on Christmas Day. This is the cost of Christmas. Jesus ultimately pays the ultimate price on the cross. But before then, he pays an incredible price in the manger. He pays the price of his own immortality. He takes on human weakness and mortality and vulnerability so that one day he could die for us. The foreshadowing of that sacrifice is already seen in the manger when we already see the sacrifice of a God who became human so he could give his life away. And this is why we find this strange story of a God who became human, who became a baby, was born into this world in utter weakness, chased by death, because someday he would give away his life. He would die for us. And it starts in the manger. But I think that we don't like to think about costs and heavy costs. 
It's written all over the story. And in fact, the New Testament writers often would talk about the vulnerability of Jesus and they would tie it to death. Take a look at this verse in Hebrews. It says, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the son also became flesh and blood for only as a human being could he die. Or Philippians 2 and verses 6 through 11, which we read a few weeks ago in the first week of the series. It says, Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. God, who is life itself, made himself mortal in Jesus. And that is the cost of Christmas. That is the precious gift that God offers us in Jesus before we ever get to the cross. But I think there's a piece of us that doesn't like to think about heavy costs. Have you ever heard the story of the comb and the pocket watch? It's this famous Christmas short story. Uh, In case you haven't heard of it, I'll retell it in case it's a little bit fuzzy from your elementary school days. But essentially, it's a short story that was published in 1906 by someone with the pen name of O. Henry under the title The Gift of the Magi. And the short story tells this tale of a young couple who have fallen on hard times. And it's Christmas time, and they don't have two nickels to rub together. In fact, one of the main characters, Della, the wife, has been saving literal pennies for months in hopes of saving enough to buy her husband, Jim, a gift. But Christmas comes, and she only has $1.87 saved up so far. And she's heartbroken. They're both heartbroken and desperate, so they go out and they sell the most valuable items in their possession for one another. Little does the other know. They go and they buy precious gifts. Della goes and she finds a beautiful watch chain to complement Jim's uh, great-great-grandfather's pocket watch, this family heirloom that is so precious to him. She finds a beautiful chain to go with it that perfectly fits and honors Jim. And Jim goes out and buys this set of beautiful hair combs that will complement Della's gorgeous, long, stunning hair. These expensive combs that she has been eyeing forever. And then the couple gets together on Christmas night with these gifts in hand, and they show them to one another, but they are shocked to find out that the other has already sold the expensive thing that they wished to gift Della has cut off and sold her beautiful hair so she can no longer use the hair combs. And Jim has sold his great-great-grandfather's pocket watch, so the chain she gives him is essentially useless. They both sacrificed the thing that they were hoping to complement in their gifts. And I don't know about you, but I have always hated that Christmas story. I find it tragic. I mean, they both 
sacrifice for one another. They make these ultimate sacrifices for these beautiful gifts, and then it's all for nothing. They cannot enjoy the gifts that they gave one another. I must not be very romantic, because to me it seems like a tragedy. And if you are a gift giver, it is like your ultimate nightmare to make that kind of sacrifice, and then for it to be all for nothing. I mean, now Della is bald, Jim has lost his family heirloom, they both have useless gifts, and they're still poor. That, to me, is a tragic story. And I think sometimes that's how we think of costly gifts. We think, oh, that's a heavy price. That's tragic. And I think sometimes we lean away from the cost of Christmas because of this. We want to celebrate the joy of the season. We love to hear about peace on earth and goodwill towards humanity. But like, can we save the idea of a costly gift for later? Can we save the idea that Jesus is going to lay down his life and just celebrate the birth? Let's just let Jesus be a baby for a little bit and focus on the joy because the cost of the gift is heavy. It feels weighty. And we don't want to be made to feel guilty about this gift. It's costly. It's tragic. But the short story of Della and Jim doesn't end as a tragedy. It doesn't end with tears. In fact, it ends with a couple smiling with one another, and then they sit down to dinner. And the author tells us, he says, each sacrificed the thing that was most valuable to give a gift to the other. And because of this, Della and Jim are the most wise gift givers that there are. The author is making a point to us. Obviously, I missed it. And if you hated this story as well, you could join me in looking at it again because the author wants to remind us that the sacrifice of a costly gift is not a tragedy because the sacrifice reflects the value of the recipient. Della and Jim are saying to one another, I love you so much. I think you are so valuable that I am willing to sacrifice a piece of myself for you. And even when the gifts themselves were useless, that message was still received loud and clear. You are so valuable that I'm willing to sacrifice for you. In fact, I love the way that Della puts it. She's out searching for the perfect gift, and the story says, as soon as she saw it, she knew that Jim must have it. It was like him. Quietness and value. Jim and the chain both had quietness and value. Do you see what I'm saying? God looked at you and me, and he saw infinite value. He looked at you, and he saw value. And because of that, he decided to pay an incredible cost to give you a gift 
of infinite worth. The Christmas story is not meant to make you feel bad. Yes, it comes at an incredible cost, but that cost is not a tragedy. It's a love story. It's a declaration of your value. It's a declaration of love. 2,000 years ago, God laid all of his cards on the table. And in a manger in Bethlehem, he declared that you are valuable and I love you. So much so that I would pay an incredible cost. God would become human so that he could die for you. And in that moment, in that manger, we see that God was saying, your life is worth my life. That's how much I'm willing to pay. That's how much you are worth. That is the story of Christmas. It's a love story. It's a moment of declaration in the manger where Jesus was born he proclaimed it 2,000 years ago, and he's proclaiming it ever since. And perhaps this year on Christmas, that's just what he wants to tell you this morning. That you are so loved. That you are so So, so valuable. No matter what anyone's told you, no matter who you have in your life this Christmas, know that you are loved and thought valuable by the God of the universe. And he wants to know you. So this Christmas, when we sing songs about the meekness of a child, the fragility of birth, when we talk about human weakness or we sing lyrics about a child so tender and mild, know that it is a reminder to you and to me that the cost of Christmas is heavy, that God came so that he could die as a human. But know that that cost is a reflection of your value. He reached down and he declared that he revealed himself to be a God who loves you. And if you've never reached back, this morning I want to give you the opportunity to do that. Will you pray with me? All across this room we represent hundreds of different stories and I don't know what your story is or what brought you here or what you've been told about your value but this morning God is speaking to you and wants you to know that he loves you he declared it in the manger 2,000 years ago he wants to have a relationship with you and this morning, if that's you, if you want to reach back, perhaps you would just speak to him. Perhaps something like this. God, I know 
that you love me. I believe that your son was God incarnate, that Jesus was God and that he came because he saw me as valuable. And God, I know that I fall short of your glorious standard, of any holy standard, but we thank you for loving us, for loving me, even when that was true. And God, this morning, I want to have a relationship with you. Through your son, through the ultimate cost that he paid for my life, I want to have a relationship with you because I believe in him and I believe that he offers us full life. Thank you for this beautiful, beautiful gift. Thank you for creating us and viewing us as valuable. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for tuning into this message from our Christmas series, Wrapped. If this is your first time listening, we'd love to meet you in person. We have services every Sunday at 10 a.m. in East Falmouth, Massachusetts, or you can join us for our live stream services on YouTube at the same time. And if you enjoyed the Cape Cod Church podcast, we hope you'll consider leaving us a review so that other people can discover us too. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. Thanks again for tuning in, and I'll see you on the next episode.